Wow, that was really awesome. So good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Woo! Summer, right? Yeah. Um, I just want to welcome you, uh, whether you're in this room with us at South Louisville, at our Shepherdsville location, or listening online, I really do believe that God has something to share with us today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Katie, and I'm the Family Ministries Pastor here at the church. And because of that, and because of what's going on tonight, I want to let you all know there's something really exciting happening tonight. It is for any, anybody you know that's incoming or current middle and high school students, tonight is our all-campus uh, impact night. So I'm inviting all South Louisville, Shepherdsville, and in fact, our Shepherdsville campus pastor, Pastor Jono, is going to be speaking for us. We actually have a youth band that is debuting. This is their first time singing on stage for us. Then we'll have Pastor Jono's message, an after party. It's going to be an awesome night. So if you know anyone, 6th through 12th grade, it is here at South Louisville at 6.30 tonight, right? Okay, so let's jump in. I am honored to be speaking to you all this morning uh, from the series Straight Out of the Old Testament. Straight Out of the Old Testament. We've taken the past few weeks to kind of uh, grab some stories from the Old Testament that you maybe heard growing up. Maybe some that you haven't heard. Um, But depending on your background, uh, no matter where you are, I believe that God has something to teach us. And um, as we were going through this, it reminded me, like, I grew up Catholic in Catholic schools, so I heard a lot of these stories over and over again. And for whatever reason, I kind of forgot that the people in the Bible are real-life people, right? Real-life people experiencing real-life things. Sometimes a little bit bizarre things that we don't experience here, but also times like real-life emotions that they're feeling. And about five or six years ago, I read a book. It's called Divine Mentor, and it changed how I read the Bible. It's by Wayne Cordario, and it told me that the people in the Word are mentors. They're mentors in our life that are going to instruct us. Sometimes it tells us what to do. Sometimes the mentors are telling us what not to do. So today, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite mentors from the Old Testament. And she is actually, has an entire book named after her. That's how awesome she is. And um, there's actually only two books in the Old Testament named after women. And Ruth is one of them. So we're going to be in the book of Ruth today. It's on your sermon guide, or you can grab a Bible in your chair Uh, or under your chair, but maybe you're thinking, Ruth must have had it all together. She must have had this amazing life to have an entire book named after her. And in fact, if you open up Matthew, you see that she's in the lineage, she's in the bloodline of Jesus. So her family must have been amazing, and they must have everything together. But what we're going to find today is Ruth is just an ordinary person, just like me and you. And the reason the story resonates with me so much, and I think will resonate with you too, is because Ruth didn't have it all together. And in fact, when we open the story, we'll see that there's poverty, and there's famine, and there's tragedy. We're going to find that she's lost her father-in-law, her brother-in-law, and her husband. I'm sure that she's dealing with um, feelings of bitterness and heartbreak, things that we can relate to. Maybe you're experiencing some of those today. We will see here that Ruth is right there with us. It seems like everything for her has ended. 
but we're going to see that it's just the beginning. But she doesn't know what's next, and maybe you don't know what's next in your life. But Ruth is going to remind us today that there's always hope. God can bring beauty out of our brokenness, and in this story, he's going to use an ordinary person to do it. Because God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. So the story of Ruth is kind of, I like it so much, and it's kind of powerful because it kind of reads like a fairy tale. So at the beginning of, this, of the book, we see Naomi and her, um, her husband Elimelech have left Israel with their two sons. They've left Israel because there's a famine. So they go to a town of Mo, Moab, and while they're there, Elimelech passes away, which leaves Naomi with just her two sons. And then the two sons marry Moabite women. One of them is Orpah, and the other one is Ruth. And then, through tragic events, both the sons die, which leaves Naomi alone with her two daughter-in-laws. Tragic, right? So then Naomi hears that Israel, the famine is over. Let's go back. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go to my homeland. I have nothing I have nothing. I have no husband. My sons are gone. I'm grieving. I'm going to go back to my homeland. And she looks at her daughters and daughter-in-laws and says, you all just go home. Go find yourself a husband. Go back to your parents. Whatever you have to do, just go. I am bitter, and I'm going back to Israel. And Orpah reluctantly but, willing, but goes back home. But when we see Ruth for the first time, she shows up. And, and Naomi's like, Ruth, go back home. And what Ruth says is in verse chapter 1, verse 16. It's on your sermon guide. Or if you have a Bible. And it says, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Verse 17. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. This is the first time we see Ruth, and we, she just makes this powerful statement that says, I'm going with you, Naomi. I am committed to you. I'm going with you. So they take off, and they head towards Bethlehem. And they arrive in Bethlehem with absolutely nothing. No land, no money, nothing. And Ruth says, can I please go glean in the fields? So she goes out in the fields. Naomi lets her. So gleaning is the harvesters come through the fields, and then the widows and people that are in poverty are allowed to go out and glean, which is just pick up the leftovers. So Ruth is like, I need to provide for us. Let me go out here and pick up the leftovers. So she does, and she's working all the time. And she ends up in a field of a man named Boaz. And Boaz notices her. And, really, and one of the reasons it's important is because Boaz is actually a relative of her late husband. So back then, in order to redeem your family, the woman must marry the next of kin, a next relative. And she just so happens to end up, end up in a kind relative's land, in Boaz's land. And so then Naomi's like, her wheels are turning. She's like, all right, you go work in his field for a few months. And then she pulls Ruth aside and she's like, look, you got you to gotta just go and you're just going to propose to him. 
And Ruth's like, okay, you know, let's just go. All right. So Ruth goes in and proposes to Boaz. She's like, redeem my family, marry me. And he's like, yes, let's do it. They get married. They have a son, and his name is Obed. And he has a son, and his name is Jesse. And he has a son, and his name is David, King David, who Pastor Jason's going to talk about next week. And if you keep going, you get all the way down to the genealogy of Jesus. So you see a woman who starts out in poverty and famine and death. And then she gets to this extraordinary life. She's an ordinary person that God uses to accomplish extraordinary things. Maybe you're thinking, I want that. That sounds amazing. Maybe you want a child like she did. Or maybe you just want significance. Some kind of meaning in life. Maybe you would say, I really don't like my ordinary life. My wife nags me all the time. I've been overlooked for promotion again. My kids don't show me any respect. I can't beat this illness. Yes, please give me something extraordinary. But Ruth didn't choose the extraordinary life. It found her. And what we're going to see today is that she, had, she took three ordinary choices, three things she did to end up in extraordinary life. And the same is true for us. So with the time we have left today, we're going to look at three ordinary choices that make an extraordinary life. It's on your sermon guide, so you can grab it. We're going to fill in some blanks here as we go through the book of Ruth to see the ordinary choices that she made and that we can make. So the first choice that Ruth made, we saw it at the very beginning when she says, wherever you go, I will go till death do us part. The first choice she made was to be committed. But that kind of goes against our culture, right? We hear like, try something new, don't like it. Let's do something else, I don't like that. Let's do this over here, I don't like that. Let's get a new phone, upgrade our car, get a new teacher. Maybe if I just keep starting over, I'll find the perfect spouse or if I find the perfect house, right? Maybe throw it away, get another one, just throw it away. I'm like the queen of like, it's broken, let's throw it away. Like, I didn't even know that they have these places you can take vacuum cleaners to get fixed. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I was like, oh, my vacuum cleaner's broken, I'm just gonna get a new one. And my dad is like, are you crazy? Like, take it to the vacuum, I don't even know what it's called, vacuum fixer place. So he does, because he's amazing. So he takes my vacuum, and $8 later, it's like brand new, right? But that's probably why my parents are getting ready to celebrate 46 years of marriage, because they know that you have to fix it. And we've actually, we have tried to instill some commitment in our kids. So Rayleigh, our oldest, she is like doing sports and things. She danced, she did cross country, soccer. And I'm not sure if your kids are like this, but my daughter is, but like halfway through the season, she's like, do I have to go to practice? Like, can I just quit, mom? Like, this is just too much, right? And Brad and I are like, you made a commitment. You're going to stick with it. We're going to get through the season. And we're like, winning, right, as parents, okay? She gets through the season. And everything was great until like a couple days ago. And I'm like, let's start running. Let's get ready for cross country in the fall. And she's like, Mom, I just don't think I can make that kind of commitment. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, fair enough, right? But we hear it all the time. I think I have, like, commitment issues. 
But honestly, for being honest, I think all of us do. Diets, exercise plans, half-read books at home. But here we see Ruth make a lifelong commitment to someone who had nothing to offer her. They were so broke that Ruth even went out in the fields and had to work. And you know it had to be hard. Naomi is her mother-in-law. I mean, I love my mother-in-law. But like they're living together and they're committed to each other. You know that can be easy. These are real people with real problems. I mean, I'm sure there were some days that Ruth was like, ooh, maybe I should have went with Orpah, right? But commitment says choosing to stay with something even when it's not easy. Choosing to stick with something like a healthy lifestyle even when it's National Donut Day on Friday. Like, who does that in bathing suit season? I don't understand that. But. but on a serious note, it's easier to walk away. Sometimes it's easier to walk away. But you have to get the extraordinary life that you want, you have to choose to stay committed. Every day I have to choose to stay committed to my husband, Brad. We made a commitment to each other. But most importantly, we made a commitment to God. That says that no matter what happens, nothing can separate us. Is it hard? Yeah. Do we go through struggles like everybody else? Absolutely. But every single time, one of my friends comes to me and says, I don't know what to do. My husband and I, we just don't know if we're going to make it. He's driving me crazy. Like, I don't know what to do. I say, you fight that battle on your knees. You made that commitment to him, and you are going to fight through it. Fight through it by by praying for him. You cannot hate someone that you pray for. You pray for them, and you pray for your heart of discontentment. You pray for unforgiveness. You pray for hurt. You made that commitment, and God will bless it if you fight it on your knees. But maybe you're saying, well, I haven't left. But are you committed? Are you wholeheartedly committed? Ruth's word said, wherever I go, whatever happens, I'm not going anywhere. Maybe you would say, I haven't left my job. But are you committed to your job? We tell leaders around here all the time that it's normal to want to bail when you get hurt or things get hectic or hard. But commitment says, I'm going to stick with it. Because truth is, it will get hard. Things will get hectic. And you will get hurt. But a 50th wedding anniversary is better than a third wedding. It's worth it. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Committing to a budget takes discipline. We're all guilty of stopping and starting over, right? One more thing, and I'll move on to the next point. Orpah, do you remember her name? Maybe not. Because she left, right? You might have even forgot who she was because she left. Ruth's name is at the beginning of this book. Ruth's name is in the lineage of Jesus because she stayed and was committed So what in your life do you need to be committed to? So the first ordinary choice we make to the extraordinary life is commitment. And our second choice that we're going to see Ruth make is courage. Now, it's hard to understand this because of the context of the time, but uh, Ruth goes in and asks Boaz to marry him, marry her. So nowadays... I mean, I guess it's a little easier. I mean, mostly like swipe right or whatever, right? But you don't really see a whole lot of women going in and asking men to marry them, right? But even then, that was even harder. It says that she went into his room 
and laid by his feet. And he woke up and was like, what's going on? And she's like, I need you to marry me and redeem my family. For one thing, he could have said no. And that would have been like super embarrassing, right? For another thing, if she got caught in that room, that would have brought shame to her family and shame to her forever. So it took courage. It took guts for her to do that. Pastor Christine Kane says, it's only people who are willing to look foolish that have ever achieved anything for the kingdom of God. She says it's the people that are willing to get out of their comfort zone and maybe look foolish who have ever achieved anything for the kingdom of God. That's a bold statement, but it, it rings true here. Ruth was willing to look foolish. She was willing to put herself out there. I think of, when I think of... Um, somebody who had an extraordinary, something extraordinary happened to them, I think of Peter. So Jesus is out in the water, walking on water, right? And Peter jumps out of the boat, and he starts walking on water. Did the other 11 disciples get to walk on water? No. Because only Peter took the courageous step to get out there. I want that. But am I willing to look foolish? Am I willing to put myself out there? Peter wasn't sure. He could have went right into the water, right? A while ago, I really was not willing to look foolish. That was 12 years ago. I was in this room, and I was in the back, and it was when we actually used to do altar calls at the end. At the end of the service, we asked people to commit their lives to Christ, and we used to do an altar call, and I remember three weeks in a row, the Holy Spirit saying, commit your life to me. Commit your life to Jesus. And I was like, no. I got my boyfriend here. He's cute. Just started dating. He's married. We're married now, so it's okay. That's the other. I was like, I was not willing to look foolish at the time. And usually whenever God's telling you to do something, you either lean in or you walk away. And we left for a couple of years. But then, thankfully, God is good, and he gives you second and third and fourth chances, and he drew us back in, and I committed my life to Christ at 24 years old. But I almost missed a moment, three weeks in a row. So maybe there's a step that you need to take, a conversation you need to have, maybe a confession that could maybe ruin your relationship with somebody. Is it going to be hard? Yeah. Maybe you need to go to counseling, you and your spouse. Maybe you've made that commitment, but it takes courage to say, we need help. A few years ago, I was experiencing, like, internal struggle. I can't really even describe it, but you'll know what I'm talking about if you've experienced this. But it's like every time I read the Bible, it was about this one thing. Every time the pastor would preach, it was about this one thing. I'm like, why does he keep bringing that up? And for me... It was alcohol. I felt God telling me to lay it down. And I would say things like, I have it under control. I don't do it every day. God, it's not even a sin. And it's legal, right? But he kept saying, I have something better for you, but I need you to get rid of this. And I wrestled with him for like a year. But I knew that I needed to take that courageous step it had been a part of my life since I was in high school, high school. 
And I had these fears from the enemy that said that it would ruin my marriage if I quit because we like to tailgate and we like to do these things. Or my family wouldn't accept it. But I finally, with the help of some encouraging friends, was able to lay it down and it jump-started my life into where God has taken me three years ago. And I bet Naomi had to talk Ruth up the same way that my friends did. I bet she had to say, you can do this. Go in his room. Ask him to marry you. I don't tell you my story to brag, but I do tell you because I want you to have hope that if God is asking you to do something, the fears you have are from the enemy because he is trying to keep you from the extraordinary life that God has for you. It's not too late. It's never too late. Maybe it's something you need to let go of. Maybe it's something you need to take up. Maybe it's something you need to confess. Because God says you bring things out into the light, it has no power over you anymore. If you get a chance to read the whole story of Ruth, you actually see that she takes small steps of courage throughout to get to this big moment. So even if it's a small step, at least it's one step closer to the extraordinary life that you've been praying for. So what step do you need to take? So first, the first ordinary choice that we can make to get to an extraordinary life is commitment. And the second is courage. And the third and final one is probably my favorite. It's a little bit different. Commitment is action. Courage is action. But this one is living by it every single day. And that's character. So Ruth goes into Boaz's room and lays down at his feet. And at midnight, he wakes up. And he um, says, who's there? And Ruth's like, it's me, your servant. I need you to marry me. And he, his response is so beautiful. Is Ruth, verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9. Sorry, verse 10. Boaz says, the Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you ever did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Boaz says, don't worry about a thing. Don't worry about it. I got it. I will do what is necessary to redeem your family and bring you all out of poverty. Why? Because everyone in town knows that you're a virtuous woman. He was more attracted to what was inside and her character than what was on the outside. We don't have time to read Proverbs 31, but we can highlight some of the things Ruth displayed. She was loyal, right? She was hardworking. She was in the fields working all day. The way she asked, she said things like please and thank you. She was strong and she took care of her household. So what Boaz is saying here is that, Ruth, you will enrich the life of your husband, and everybody knows it, and that's why I'm going to do what you said. So let me speak to the wives in the room right now, because I am one, and I've been through it, and I've helped other people through it. But when you speak life into your husband, and you pray for him, and you go to your knees, and you start talking him up, and you encourage the fire out of him, he will become the godly man that you know him to be. Ruth's character is one we can all live by. 
She's clothed with strength and honor. To be honest, most of the men are already beating themselves up. They're already feeling like they aren't measuring up. So find something that your husband is doing right and encourage the heck out of him. Now, it doesn't let you guys off the hook because your character matters more than you know. It represents your family. I know it's hard. Your boss, your boss frustrates you. Your kids are driving you crazy. But every day we have the choice to grow our character. Jesus tells us in Matthew 12, that a tree is identified by its fruit, and if a tree is good, the fruit will be good. And if a tree is bad, the fruit will be bad. So if we have good character, we will get the good outcomes that we're searching for. And it, our life won't just be better, it will be extraordinary. Now, don't think Ruth was like, okay, my husband died, so I'm going to go find me a new husband, and then we're going to have a baby, and then he's going to be, you know, the great-grandfather of King David, and then Jesus will come and everything. She was like, she, no, she wasn't even looking for that. She wasn't even going after that. She was going after honor. She was going after commitment. Maybe we need to ask ourselves, are we chasing happiness or are we chasing honor? The extraordinary life and purpose that Ruth ended up in is because of those choices that she made. And they don't seem very sexy, right? Like, awesome, that's great for her, but what about my mess? Awesome, great for her, but like, I can't find joy and contentment. I mean, I got the spouse, I got the kids and the dog and the attached garage, but I don't feel like my life is extraordinary. Maybe you think, Extraordinary is for somebody else, and it's not for you. But can I tell you, that's a big lie. No matter where you are, no matter what is happening, if you're miserable, relatively happy, God doesn't want you to have a mediocre life. He wants you to have an extraordinary life. He doesn't want you to have a mediocre marriage. He wants it to be extraordinary. Jesus came so we could have life to the fullest. And we can have that, how? By these three ordinary choices. So where do you need to be more committed? I could stand up here and tell you different areas, give you examples where you need to be committed to your sobriety, be committed to church, coming as a family. But the truth is you probably already know. You probably already know where you need to take a wholehearted commitment. It takes choosing to say that I'm not giving up. If we could sit down for coffee, maybe at Shallows, I would ask you, what is, is what you're committed to, does it align with God? And if it does, he will help you through it. Does it align with his word? It's much easier to quit. It would have been easier for me to pick up a drink when I was struggling with grief the beginning of this year, but I had to fight to stay committed. And you fight that through prayer. And if nothing else, commit to praying. Not just corporate prayer, because that is a beautiful thing, but prayer on your knees saying, God, help me stay committed. Where do you need to be more courageous? What do you need to do that scares you the most? 
the absolutely worst thing that you could do is not take the step and never get to the extraordinary life that God has for you. Maybe you need to take a step back from a relationship or friends. Don't feel bad if you're going after God and people are left behind. Orpah wasn't meant to go with Naomi and Ruth. Maybe you need to take the courage to look in the mirror and recognize that you might be the problem. If you ever want to achieve anything for the kingdom of God, you have to be willing to take a step and possibly look foolish. Will confessing your sin maybe hurt people? Yeah. But will you find freedom? Absolutely. So many people in my life are like, God is just wrestling with me. That's awesome. Because that means you're connected to the Lord. He is constantly trying to prune us to be better. Psalm 139 is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path to everlasting life. It takes courage to pray prayers like that. To say, search me. What is offending you? I don't even know. I did not know that drinking offended God until I prayed that prayer. And he started knocking on my heart. I need you to lay it down. I'm taking you somewhere else. And he leads you along the path to everlasting life. So if you don't know what step to take, start there. God, what is it? What do I need to do to get me to the extraordinary life that you have for me? And where do you need to have more character? Pastor Jason says all the time, I want the people that know me the best to respect me the most. I want to be the same person up here as I am at home. I want to enrich the lives of the people around me. The people that are close to me, the closest to me, are the most encouraging people I've ever met. They're the ones saying, you got this. They're the ones praying through the night for me. And I pray that I enrich their life too. You have to choose to have character even when life sucks. Even when you're hurt. Even when it's their fault. But have some, and all these three choices are ordinary, but they're not that easy. Commitment, steps of courage, have character even when it's hard. But can I have some really good news? We have something Ruth doesn't have. We have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit to help us, to give us the strength. Give us strength to stay committed. Give us strength to have courage. Give us strength to walk and find character and be joyful and enrich the lives of those around us. And if we can stay committed even when we don't see an upside, Ruth stayed committed even when she had nothing. Naomi had nothing to offer her. Take steps of courage even when it's scary, even when you feel like you're foolish and you're putting yourself out there. And if you have character, even when it's tough, the extraordinary life will find us. Let's pray. God, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross so that we can have life and life to the fullest. Lord, you didn't come down here from heaven for us to um, just get by. 
God, you came so that we can commit our lives to you and have life of abundance, Lord. But we need your help. God, we need your help to know where to be committed, God. We need your help to know where to be courageous, what to lay down, what to bring up, God. God, direct our lives so that we may have character, so that we may become more and more like you every day, Lord. You're a good father who's full of love and compassion. God, I pray for each and every person in this room that needs to take these three steps, three choices they can make so they can end up in an extraordinary life, Lord. I thank you for everyone in this room that has gone after you, God. I pray for their hearts to soften towards you today, Lord. I thank you for the extraordinary purpose you have for each and every one of us, Lord. I thank you for Hope City, where we can rally around each other and help each other get there. We praise you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.